This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Yes, welcome everyone. How you guys doing? Good? Good. It's good to be here with all you beautiful people. Want to welcome everyone here. Welcome everyone watching us in Stevens Point, joining with us in Point Napleton. Everyone watching with us online. Hello. How's it going? My name is Phil Gunger, one of the pastors here at the church. And I just want to have everyone, if you could, stand up. I'm going to lead you together in the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith and what we believe here at Celebration Church. So if you would with me, we believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Well, cool. Um, so we had a big marriage conference this weekend. How many of you guys were out at the Laugh Way to a Better Marriage Conference? Woo! It's too early to woo. This is not the woo congregation, is it? Uh, that's you gotta sleep in a little bit more. It was an awesome time. We had a great time. My father, Mark Gunger, was here and had a blast. Uh, packed the place out. It was great. Uh, but anyway, but he actually had to jump on a plane and go s- help some marriages at a <laughs> uh, somewhere else. And so we are uh, honored to have a special guest guest with us today. Uh, Pastor Arnie Jacobson will be joining us in just a minute. Uh, but first, just a little uh, announcement from my father. Good morning, celebrations. Greetings. We are. At an airport. There's no shock there. <laughs> Spent a great deal of our lives in airports. Uh, we uh, had a fabulous weekend uh, this weekend with our Laugh Your Way event. It was amazing. There were so, so many people there. And we had an absolute blast. So it was very, very exciting. Uh, unfortunately, we're not being able to be there this morning. Uh, we're on our way to do another presentation tonight in Pennsylvania. We're headed yes. back to Amish country. I know, I'm so Woo-hoo. excited. Rev up your buggies, we're ready to go. <laughs> anyway, uh, this morning, Pastor Arnie Jacobson is uh, standing in for me. Uh, pastor Arnie is the founding pastor of what is today Celebration Church. He's a man who's had an incredible impact in my life, and we love it when he can come and speak. He'll be speaking this morning, so open your hearts and receive from him, and we'll see all y'all, all y'all, next Sunday. So, All right. see ya. Bye. Good morning. It's a great day to serve the Lord, isn't it? The sun finally came out, and uh, hallelujah. And I was wondering what's going on. I was thinking it was time for me to move back to Utah where the sun shines, and 
We were gazing out in our backyard last night and saw just a flock of mosquitoes <laughs> to welcome us with this nice weather. And I don't know if you know it or not, but they don't have flies or mosquitoes in Utah. Uh, they don't like the Mormon blood, I guess, so I don't know. <laughs> but it is exciting to be here and to worship with you today and uh, see a lot of old friends. You ever have something just weird happen to you? I woke up this morning. I didn't say anything to my wife. I, I think she's glad I woke up, though. And uh, uh, very good friends of ours who are almost founding members of this church, Reggie and June McKenzie, it was like, I'm going to see them. And I walked out just before church, as church was starting, and Reggie and June walked in, and they're here. And I don't know what that means, but I told them, I said, it's, it's great. They're great people. Reggie and June were here for years, vital part of the church. Where are you, Reggie and June? There they are right over there. Let's give them a hand. That's great people. All right, today, I've entitled the message, If You Went All In. Take a look at this. All in. Did you ever, I'm not a poker player, but when they do that with the chips, what they're saying, man, I have the winning hand. Sometimes they're bluffing, but in all reality, if you can take everything that you have and say, you know what? I'm going all in with it, right? And you know, sometimes we, in the church, I really believe it's time for the church to get a massive wake-up call. I believe churches across America are sleeping giants. And if the people would just go all in, and toward the end of the message, I'm going to have three things that I want you to go all in with, and I believe it's biblical, I believe it's what God wants us to do, and I believe that's where God's moving us, me personally people across America where I speak. And I want to pray right now that God would just open your heart. He'd plow over your spirit and say, you know what? This makes, if it makes sense to you, I'm going all in. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that you're with us. We pray, God, that this would be a, a service that we would put a check mark behind, not because I'm here, but because you're here, Lord, and because you have something specific that you want to say to us. Now bless each one. Bless those that are listening online or video, online viewing. We thank you for Stephen's point. We thank you for those that are in Appleton. Bless them as we gather together around your word and what God has placed on my heart for this service today. And everybody said, amen. amen. I, uh, I love history. And today I want to talk to you about trading your ifs for what ifs. You know that history is full of ifs. What if? And so is the Bible full of ifs. It's sort of this thing where you want to go in. You know, there was an old saying that some of you might remember, there's no ifs and or buts about it. And when it comes to the Word of God, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's what it says. It means what it says. It is what it says. And if you'll embrace it 100%, God will do miraculous things through you, things you never imagined that he could do in your life. But sometimes we have to be, remember uh, Alexander the Great? I, I, I loved history. In fact, uh, when I was in high school, I thought maybe I should be a history teacher. I didn't love math, you know, but I loved history. And Alexander the Great took a great fleet of ships, and he moved that fleet to the Gulf of, and, and landed in Persia to start a campaign. And after they landed the ships, he said to all of the captains, burn the ships. Burn them. It's true. And the captain, one, a number of them replied, well, how are we going to get back home? And he said, we'll do this. 
we'll take the enemy's ships back home. You see, he pushed it all in. And I think in our lives, we have to get to the point where we're going to turn our ifs and say, you know what? I'm going for it. I'm going to hit it. I'm going to be there for it. If you have your Bibles, you can open to Romans chapter 8, and we're going to look at a few scripture there and really believe God for him speaking to us today. Romans 8, 1, I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. I used to have an old one, but now I have a new one. Some of you might understand that. Some of you might not. There is therefore, verse 1, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from the law of sin. For there is, for those who have according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the carnally, that means your physical, your body stuff. For the carnally minded is, think about this, is dead. Now, when I, when I think about this whole thing about our flesh and our spirit, I want us to be walking in the spirit. I don't, want to, I don't want to evaluate stuff with my carnal mind because you get going with what you think in your mind and you can hit the ditch in a lot of areas spiritually. So let us, let us just, I'm going to come back to some of these scriptures in a little bit. So it says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. How many of you want to please God? That's almost all of you. But there are things that you need to do to make that an area of accomplishment in your life. For you're not in the flesh, but you're in the spirit. Turn to someone and say, you're in the spirit. You're in the spirit. Sometimes you've got to speak to yourself. How many of you talk to yourself? I am one of my best friends. My wife is one of her best friends. She, we talk to ourselves. We need to tell ourselves we are something. I have a message I preached years ago entitled, You're Special. Turn to someone and tell them they're special. Go ahead. You know, as I look out up upon you right now, every one of you are smiling because you like to hear that you're special, you like to hear that you're important, and God says you're special, and he wants to do some transitional things in your life. And then there's a, a great scripture in 2 Chronicles 7:14, and uh, keep your Bibles open, or if you're watching uh, on the screens, it's very important. I could quote it from memory, but I'd like to read it from the Word. It says, if my people, now circle that, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and pray, and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear for heaven, and will forgive, and will forgive them, and heal their land. Boy, I tell you, we live in a land that needs healing. There's civil wars going on on the political fronts, everywhere you look. So history then, back to history for a moment, it's a study of past events. And as I told you before, Hillary, history is full of ifs, scripture is loaded with ifs. Now here, think about this. What if David, when he went out to fight Goliath, would have missed his forehead? What would have happened? What if when Joseph's brothers came down to Egypt, he was so mad at them for selling them in slavery, putting this program together that he was dead, and he would have just wiped them out and said, forget it. You guys mis mistreated me. What if he had done? He didn't do that. Think about all the other things in history. What if on D-Day, June 6, 1944, we had failed to stop Hitler? Think about that. What if? What if? 
You see, our whole life is what ifs. What happened? What if you'd have bought $1,000 worth of Walmart stock in 1970 and never touched it? You'd have multiple millions of dollars. What if? And see, I think most of us got to have to move to the point in our lives where we eliminate the ifs when it comes to the Word of God. In a little bit, I'll close the message on three things that we need to really look, look at. Some of us just have to make a move a little bit closer. We have to understand what the power of God wants to do in our lives. Now, I have a, I have a, a little book I love. It's, it's called 212 Degrees. How many of you know that water boils at 212 degrees? Well, if you didn't, you know it now. How many know that water is really hot at 210 degrees? But you know, water doesn't create power until it hits 212. And I think God has a point where he wants to move us in our lives where we make just a small move and things will really begin to happen and really begin to move if we're all in. If we burn the ships and say, we're going to win this thing. I tell you what, we're in a battle and we need to eliminate negative thinking. We need to eliminate the things that are holding us back. No ifs and buts about it. Let's move along and see what God has to say in this area. Romans 8.31 says this. Think about it. I can do all things. How about you? But I, I, I love the scripture to the point where I, I've, I've just learned over the years. What then shall we say to these things? If God before us, who can be against us? I love this word, unconquerableness. I think the church needs to get that in their mind. Sometimes we have bowed at the shrine of the world and what the world is doing instead of saying, you know what? I'm more than a conqueror. I'm unconquerable. You see, religion. See, well, there's a lot of religion in our city. There's a lot of religion in the world. But religion doesn't get you anywhere. In fact, religious people sometimes irritate me. I know they irritate Pastor Mark because he's definitely not religious in that way. Religion is what can I do for God? Christianity is all about what has been done for you. Now I want to ask you a question this morning before we launch into, into, the, into just some real interactive stuff Mark wanted me to do here today. But here's the question. What enslaves you? What grips you? Is it a habit? Is it something you're watching on your computer? Is it a, is, is it a negative event in your life? Psychologists tell us that 3% of life's, life's events are highly memorable. 3%. 97% missed the cut. But what's, what's holding you back? You see, many of us are prisoners of our memories. What's happened to us, what's done for us. Many of us are prisoners of our past. It seems like we can't move forward without dwelling on something that happened in the past. You see, God took Israel out of Egypt in one day. But it took 40 years for Israel to get Egypt out of their minds. And today I believe God wants to launch us into some things that will help us. You know, the Bible tells us very clearly there's no condemnation in Christ. Condemnation is feeling guilty over confessed sins. You know, a lot of us have done things in our past that, man, that are really not good. How many would agree with that? Right? But you see, if you're saved, if you're born again, you have Jesus in your heart, and you think, how could I have done that? Why did I do that? If you've asked for forgiveness, it's not, it shouldn't be there. But we still feel condemned by it. Then, conviction. 
And the church has to get to the point where we bring us back to the altar of conviction. Conviction is feeling guilty over unconfessed sin. Most of us deal with that, you know? Are you there? Do you have some, you have some stuff that you know you shouldn't have done and you're sort of hanging on to it? So I want to have you think with me on some things, and this is where the message is heading. Success comes when you're all in. You know, when you, you see the chips when they're all in. And I know the church has been speaking for a number of months here on forgiveness, right? I, I wrote a book a while back on that whole subject, the high cost of resentment. And wherever I go and preach that message, it's probably other than salvation, the most important message. People respond. People are held back by it because stuff happens. Failed marriages. Some of you might be here because you're mad at some pastor in another church. Some of you might be here and you're mad at me. Hello. Some of you are mad because you got passed over in a, um, on a job when you know someone else should have been able to get that position. So what is it? Here's the all-in. Let's see those chips go forward one more time. There they are. Push them in. Here it is. If only, here's the if, if only I forgave. Most of us live by a familiar old statement, three strikes and you're out, right? It's a baseball term, but, you know, people have done stuff to you, third strike, they're out. Peter came to Jesus and said, how often shall we forgive? And he said, I'm going to forgive seven times. Jesus said, 70 times seven. Now, it doesn't mean that 491 you start striking back, and it was an illusion. Jesus has called us to be forgivers. He said on the cross when they were killing him, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was able to turn to a thief on the cross and say, hey, today you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus exemplified forgiveness. When I was uh, preaching in Fresno on the, on the subject of forgiveness, at uh, Dale Oquist. Dale has preached here. He was my assistant for a long time. And a psychologist from Fresno State uh, came, and after the service, and I was selling some books, uh, she came up to me and said, we are doing a study. Uh, and she said, this is not a religious study, but I, I want to tell you, we have determined that unforgiveness and resentment and bitterness and all those things that are packaged in that whole deal are the main cause of depression. Think about that a minute. So when you're as a Christian, you're mad at someone or, or something that happened in your past, you just cannot. It just seems like it comes back. But I will tell you today if you'll say, I'm not going to be if anymore. I am going to forgive. I'm going to give it up. And sometimes you need to hear some stories about people who have forgiven stuff that you can't imagine. First of all, you got the Lord. Shoot, I didn't deserve what he did for me. I was lost. I got saved when I was 20. And one of my friends said to me, that church brainwashed you. Some of you might have heard me say this. I said, yeah, I had a dirty old brain, needed a good old washing. <laughs> and the reality is this. If I dwelt on some of the things that I did back then, even though I didn't knock over a bank or do any stuff like that, I mean, we rode the border of a lot of crazy stuff. Now, my brother Jerry sitting here, he was much more notorious than I was, but uh, <laughs> of course, he got saved later in life, so we have to do that. But forgiveness, 
I, uh, I was watching one of these documentaries on TV a number of years ago, and it was about a lady in Minneapolis. Her name was Mary Johnson. And uh, Mary's husband had died uh, young. She had one son. And they lived together in, in Minneapolis uh, in an apartment, and she loved that boy with all of her heart. It was, he was her whole world. And one day when he was walking home from school through the neighborhood, he stumbled on into a fight between some gangs. And one of the gang members shot and killed him right there. They caught him. They convicted him in a court of law in Minneapolis. And they sent him to prison for 25 years to life. Now, how many of you, can you imagine what she must have felt against that young gang member who slayed her son? I can't even comprehend it. Well, God could because we slayed his son on the cross, right? And doesn't the Bible say we're supposed to be like Jesus? The story went on to tell, it was interesting, I was captivated by it. The story went on to say uh, that after a few years, Mary started visiting this uh, young man in prison. Now, can you imagine? And she wasn't going there. I mean, sometimes you'll see these television presentations of someone who loses a child or a mate or some tragedy, and they can't, and say it's in a, in a, in a, in a city or a state where they allow capital punishment, and you just see them, they can't wait to sit and watch that person strapped to a chair and have a lethal injection or fry them in an electric chair and go, whoa. Mary Johnson didn't take that route. In fact, Mary Johnson was a Christian. She went to prison, visit him often. He came to know Christ as his savior. He became a model prisoner in the Minnesota prison system. For 25 years, he was a model prisoner. He came up for parole, 25 to life. Very seldom, if hardly ever, does anyone get paroled after a 25 uh, to life sentence. Usually they'll make them wait another few years, another few years, and finally let them loose. But this guy was such an exemplary prisoner that he got parole at 25 years. Ironically, he ends up in the same apartment building where Mary Johnson lives. Can you imagine? Ironically, it was the apartment right next to her apartment. But the good part is, Mary Johnson put him in that apartment, paid his rent until he got a job. Now that's forgiveness, friends. You know, can we get to the, really, that's, that's forgiveness. And there are some of you sitting here that you had a mate cheat on you and you got a divorce. You had something terrible happen. Maybe, you, maybe some pastor you got mad at or, or whatever the reason was. Now, maybe some of you do have a, a story of tragedy. But I will tell you this. Let it go. Say, God, I want forgiveness today. I want to be set free. I, I just don't want to live this way. But they hurt me. You see, there's that but. But they hurt me. I was preaching in Salt Lake City at one of my friend's churches there, and I preached the message on forgiveness, and I think everybody after the service, at the close of the service, came to the altar. I met a young African-American couple, and both of them were crying at the altar, and there was just tons of people. I didn't have hard time to go to them. And I said, what? I, I said, I don't need to know what's going on, but what brought you here? The lady piped right up. She pointed at her husband, said, he had an affair on me. 
I can't forgive him. We're going we're, our divorce tomorrow starts its process. And he said to me, he's tried over and over. He said, I'm sorry, I, I made a terrible mistake. Will you forgive me? He said, I can't forgive him. But she said, today something happened in this service. That's why I'm down here right now. And she said, we got up this morning and we don't come to this church. And he said to her, honey, can we just go to church one last time before we go to the lawyer tomorrow to get this whole ugly process of divorce going? And, and I own it. It's, 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 it's my problem. So they randomly picked a church. She said, well, what about that one on Bangor Drive in the freeway? Randomly, God brought them in. Today, people are here in this service that God brought you in, and they did not go to the divorce lawyer the next day. They got in counseling in that church, and because she was able to forgive and lay it down, their lives were changed. Here's what we're going to do right now. If you're in Stevens Point, if you're in Appleton viewing this or online, even if you're sitting alone in your living room, if you've got something in your life, and Mark wanted me to do this, if you have something in your life that you, it just claws at you and it's like a, you, you think you cut it off, but it's like a weed in your yard, it just pops up. I want to pray for you, but you've got to make a move. Now, I'm going to have to come forward, but stand up right now. Right here, stand up. If you've got something you can't cut loose, you get to your feet right now. Come on. Take some nerve. A lot of spiritual people here, and God bless you. There was a time a number of years ago when Pastor Mark and I were going through something, and I would have had a stand because I had a thing. Are you with me? But see, now that you've stood, and, and countless numbers of people in, in Appleton and, and Stevens Point and watching online are having their lives touched, I want you to raise your hand to God and say this with me. Put your hand up. Dear Jesus, I am sorry and I want to release this 100%. And Lord, from this day forward, I'm going to live outside of that, and I'm going to be free. I'm going to be free in Jesus' name. Let's give him a hand. Now, be seated. Here's the thing you have to understand here. you got to go a step further. If they're alive, that person that harmed you, ex-mate, boss, someone who hurt you, maybe you were abused by a relative or a family member sexually, verbally, or whatever. If they're alive, drop them a note, send them an email, call them and say, you know what? I'm sorry I held this against you all those years. I'm cutting it loose. My email is arnie at arniejacobson.com. <laughs> send me yours. I'll shoot you one back. All right? Because we want to be free. You get it? You want to be free. You want to, you want to do it. The next thing that I want to talk to you about, oh, by the way, I've got to tell you one real quick story. The clock is ticking down, but I, I might get through it. But if I violate it, I travel all the time, so whatever. <laughs> At that same altar that day was an older couple. This lady's probably near our age. <laughs> nice older couple. And they, she's crying. And I said, what's wrong? She pointed to her husband and said, you know, we've been married in like 30 years, but prior to that, my husband left me for a younger woman, left me with three kids, didn't support me. Bam. I can't forgive him. He's been wonderful to me. I can't forgive him. And she said, I know I have to. Now, this guy, I said, is he still alive? Just like I told you, you got to get up. She said, no, he died. 
I said, you know where he's buried? She said, yes, my daughters live in Denver. That's where he lives. I said, you go to his grave. You write a little note. You put it on his tombstone or lay it there and say, you're never going to rob me of another day. I forgive you. I'm telling you, it's important you do this. There are numbers of you that stood, but now the hard part comes. The devil's going to come at you and say, well, I did it in church. I don't need to go further. You need to go further. The next thing you're going to say, I wish if I, if I could be, I wish I would have been a witness. All right? I'm a witness. I lead people to Jesus, not just in church, everywhere, neighborhood, airplanes, you, know, you name it. In fact, I was sitting in an airport a while back, and like Phil, and there was an empty seat next to him, and, and next to me, and the guy said, uh, is that seat saved? I said, I don't even know if it goes to church. <laughs> he laughed. You know, if we'd only share our faith, there was a couple I led to the Lord many years ago in Merrill, Wisconsin, when I was pastoring there. I've dedicated their daughter, Angie. In fact, her son will probably be in one of the services today. He lives here. I invited him to come to church today. They're looking for a church. And uh, Angie died, 40 years old. She'd been in and out of the drug culture. The last number of months, she had gotten her life clean. And they went in to wake her one day, and she was dead. Her mother called me. I hadn't talked to her mother for 38 years. She said, Pastor Arnie, will you come and do my daughter's funeral? I said, well, you got a pastor. She said, I know I do. But she said, there's going to be a rowdy group there, and I want you to come and give a full-fledged call to accept Jesus. These are great ladies from Wapaka, right? And they go to Victory. Yes. Yeah, I preached there. Great pastor. Anyway, I just threw that, throw that in. Anyhow. <laughs> <clears throat> So I went up there Thursday, and, and I just got back from San Diego, and I was a little weary. In fact, when she called me, I said, oh, I don't know, Dorothy, if I can do it. She said, Pastor Arnie, you got to do it. So I went up there Thursday to my old church, and there were about 150 people there. And you could tell by looking at the crowd, a lot of them had, had trouble with their trips around the sun. I mean, ooh, boy, it was ay ay ay. Not all of them, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, they were run hard and put the, put the bed wet, I'm telling you. So at the end, I, I did a service, uh, a sermon on uh, the prodigal son. I had an altar call. Over half of that 150 people responded. Two of her sons, one of her sons, a young guy, Dylan, 19, came to me just sobbing. He said, thanks for stirring this in me. There was a youth pastor from a church in Wausau that was there. I hooked him up. He's going to be in church there. He's going to go after it. And I remember when I met Dorothy and her husband, David, they were rough people. And I invited them to church, and I shared Jesus with them. They got saved. You see how it works when you share your faith? There's this thing that goes on and on. One other quick story, and then I'm going to pray for you that you would you get moving on this area. We go to eat. We eat in the restaurant quite a bit. In fact, we're on first-name basis with most of the restaurants in this area. <laughs> when, when we started doing that later when our kids were older. One time we called the kids to eat. And, and we couldn't find them. They were sitting in the car. I thought we were going to go out to eat. I have a cousin, second or third cousin, who's a waitress up at a restaurant in, in Door County. And she, uh, we got to talking to her. I knew her when she was a little kid, hadn't seen her for years. For over a couple of years, I said, her husband was retired from the military. They live out in New Franken, and she works in this restaurant up there. She said, I said, how's your husband? Well, he has brain cancer. And over the last year or two, we've gotten reports. They're not church people. 
Jen and I, just before Christmas, were at Walmart. We have a, one of my favorite ladies from Walmart works here. She helps me through the checkout line. I'm a technical cripple. And uh, uh, her and her mother, who I knew years ago, Lois, I met him in the aisle. It was crowded. And we took the right aisle, and I said, and there it was. I said, Lois. And I, I didn't recognize her mother. She's really old now, of course, you know. And she said, what's the deal? That's the thing. You've got to quit soon, but I'll, I'll get there. <laughs> and so I prayed with her. She said, when my husband dies, would you do his funeral, Arnie? We don't have a church. I said, I want to meet him. So I went out to their house a couple days later. He's in bed, hospice, dying. Her family was there and kids, and I prayed for him. Around the bed, I said, Bill, do you want to receive Jesus? And I mean, I tell you what, they don't argue at this stage of the game. It isn't, well, I'm a Catholic, I'm a Lutheran, I don't believe that stuff. Man, they, they flip. Prayed the prayer with him, and I looked up, and the whole family, I said, would, would you all like to do this too? And they start crying. So we prayed for 13 of them right around the bed. That's how it works. But people say, you know, I don't know enough. If I only knew more, if only I had your personality, Pastor Arnie. My brother Jerry will tell you when I was a kid, I was the shyest kid in our, fans, in our family. God will make you to become fishers of men. And this church is sleeping. you got a lot of people here, but it's time to get with it. It's time to start sharing your faith, going after your family, reaching your neighbors. Can I get an amen from the congregation? But, Pastor, I just, I, 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 I'm frightened, you know. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. No ifs, ands, and buts about it. So if you're here and you say, you know what, Pastor Arnie, I want to be a better witness. I want to stand for God. I'm going to, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone and I'm going to start reaching people for God. It might take some time, but I'm going to do it. How many of you stand up and say, I got to get on board, Pastor? Stand up. It's telling. I love Phil. He roomed with my son. And, and so many pastors that I go, they, they say, oh, Arnie, we got all these people coming. We do great web, great music. We got nice buildings, good kids stuff, children's church. And that's good. But you have got to engage yourself. You've got to get here early and have a, a barbecue out in the parking lot. Why do they have to tailgate over at Lambo? Let's start tailgating at church, right? Come on now. I'm so excited to come to church. Invite someone to come and have sausage with you on your grill in the parking lot. Get the firemen all excited out there. I'm going to pray for you right now. Stevens Point, Appleton, watching online. You got a message, share it. You know, if, if just this group, forget about who comes next up service. If you guys would just kick in, you'd have so many services, you wouldn't know what to do. Pastor Mark would even have to stay home a little bit more because there'd be so more services. Right? And he would too. Father, make these people to become fishers of men. In Jesus' name. Amen. I have a third point. I'm not going to do it because I don't want to sit down. They're going to close the service in just a minute here. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're here today and you don't have Christ in your heart, maybe you stood up because everybody else did, but you just pray that prayer. During the communion service, you can evaluate that time of, of prayer. Strike out the ifs. Land your ships. Burn them. Say, I, I, I'm going, I'm going for, for God, and you're not too old. I've got a thing, man. If I'm in a hospital when I croak, I'm going to be sharing my testimony. If I don't have any teeth, I'll gum the devil to death. Are you with me? You see, God wants to use you. 
But we have all these ifs. There's no con- I'm not here to condemn you. But yes, I hope I brought some conviction. I hope you're thinking, man, I have been sitting back, not being what I should be, and I'm going to move into that area right now. I'm going to join with a team of people. Man, when we started this church 25 or more years ago, we just had a small little nucleus. Reggie and June joined us pretty quickly after that, and we saw God do great things. It's time to re-engage and wake up the giant. Can I get an amen? Amen. So... Let's have communion. Thanks for having me today. God bless you. And may the Lord keep you in a great place. Amen? Send those letters and those cards and those emails. God bless you. Amen.